Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back into another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. We have been crushing March Madness in recent weeks. I'm your host, Julian Edlow. We'll continue with March Madness uh, unless it looks like Steve Buchanan is actually in the podcast for the first time in weeks, months, who knows how long. Uh, Steve, hey. You know, there's a lot of important things that I had to do. You know, I made a big appearance over with WWE last week. There's a lot of mm. things that I had to do. A lot of media appearances. They've calmed down just a bit before MLB starts. So I figured I'd grace you with my presence once again. Well, wrestling is super important. Uh, we all know that. Uh, well, since you decided to pop in here, I guess before we go into March Madness, we might as well touch on some baseball. Um, so let's do that. It, 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 you know, last season was a weird one in baseball out of all yeah. the sports, uh, basketball was paused, resumed, but they, they got a longer season in the postseason was the normal length football. We, we got everything in somehow for the most part, we had as close to a real season as possible. Baseball, if anything is, is, you know, the longevity sport, the numbers sport, you grind out those 162. Um, and somehow we made it, we make it work with 50 games there last year and yet expand the postseason. Uh, it was very unique and lopsided. And now we're finally heading yeah. back into a, what we hope and plan to be 162 game season. Um, but yet with expanded playoffs, right. Uh, again, I think is the idea. So uh, the best of both, both worlds will have a lot of games, um, jumping into, I guess the futures market before we uh you know baseball sneaks up on us here there's a there's a lot to look at and i think that it's after last season we can kind of look at the teams that we expect to be good being good again based on the longevity there were some teams that we could throw out the window i think the the craziest stat for for me is the Washington Nationals, who are the reigning World Series champs of the last full season, right. were 19 and 31 after 50 games the year they won the World Series. And we had a 50 regular 50 game regular season last year. So who knows what would have happened different um, down the stretch of last season. But getting getting into this year, you know, starting off, what are what are your over? And we didn't even plan for this question, but I'm asking it to you what is going back to the normal regular season do for you, if anything? 
Well, first and foremost, 60 games last year, Julian. 60. Oh, 60. 6-0. You fool. But that's fine. You know, you, you know you're, you're trying to do your hosting thing. I appreciate it. I remember it as 50, but that says a lot. <laughs> it does. It does say a lot. Um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities, I think, in the betting market for this upcoming season because we do have that expanded now that the regular, if you want to say, uh, regular season coming up of 162 games. The Obviously, the expanded playoffs last year got a lot of teams in that probably, you know, shouldn't have been in there. And then we kind of saw the usual suspects at the end. I think we're not going to see a lot of that this year. Things are getting back to normal. We're going to get the, you know, normal amount of teams making it into the playoffs. There's not a lot of value, I think, right now in looking at some of the division winners. Like, you brought up the Washington Nationals. And I'm glad that you brought them up because – Looking at the divisions, the ones who are slated to win are most likely going to be the ones that are going to win. There's nobody really in the shadows or in the darkness that I'm going to look at and say, that's actually a real good play to make for a divisional winner, aside from the Nationals. And they're at plus 600 to win the NL East. And I think that that is such immense value on a team that has such a good pitching staff. Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg. By the way, Steven Strasburg, did you hear this? Was yeah. in the news on Wednesday telling reporters that he ruptured something in his calf. But doctors are like, oh, you don't need it. When I hear the word ruptured, I'm like, whoa. Like, that's probably going to be a problem. But they're like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. You don't need it. So, okay. So, I guess we'll just assume that you're healthy then because you don't need it. Well, doesn't so- that seem like maybe a red flag for betting the Nationals? Because it's something that you know, okay, he's going to start the season. And then in like his second start, he comes out in the second inning with a calf issue. Well, I mean, here's the thing with Steven Strasburg though. He's consistently hurt. So it's like business as usual, I guess, really when it comes to Steven Strasburg, but you still got Max Scherzer, you still got Patrick Corbin, but this leads me to where I was most excited about. And that's the addition of Josh Bell for the nationals. That was such a low key move for them because two years ago in the last full season for those putrid pirates, He hit 37 home runs, knocked in 116, 292 isolated power, 378 Woba, through 143 games for that horrific team. Now you actually put him in a good lineup that where he's going to be surrounded by guys like Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber, another offseason move. That's going to be a damn good lineup. So if they get the pitching, they get the hitting, they should absolutely be near the top of that, um, the top of that division. I think they'd be able to beat out the Mets and then you just got to combat with the Braves. But if you're putting me head to head with the Braves who are plus plus one twenty to win the division with a team who should compete at plus 600, that's a lot of value on the board for the nationals. Okay. I, I'll say that I like the plus 600 price on the nationals, like in theory, but um, this might be the most competitive division in baseball, right? I don't know. It I mean, you got be. four really good teams in the NL central. Uh, but the Braves uh, could win it. You don't have four. The National, League, the, the National League Central is an absolute disaster. And there's a reason why okay. they're all. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Maybe not four really good teams, four relatively even teams. Fair. Much better. Let me say, let me say good that. verbiage there. That's that's better verbiage. But there's yeah. a reason why, like you look at the four teams that you mentioned, the Cardinals, Brewers, Reds and Cubs. It's plus 105 to plus 425. That's the range. For those four teams, 
because they're just going to be going at each other all season long. But it's not because necessarily any of them are stronger than the other. It's because they're all probably going to be in the middle of the pack compared to the rest of the league. But unfortunately, they're all clumped in the same division. You put any of those four teams in any of the other two divisions in the National League, they're not even close. They're not even close. It's not even a question. But they, you know, fortunately for them, they're all in the same division, so they will be battling it out. But any other division, those four teams, they're not even in the conversation. Philly's made a couple moves, right? Like, yeah, they're good. They're good enough in that division. And then the Miami Marlins, aren't they good? You were on them last year. What do they fall apart because they add a hundred games now this season? They're not going to be as good. Plus twenty five hundred on the Marlins. There's five good teams in this division. I just think. Yeah, trying to pick a winner. I mean, plus 600 is plus 600. It's not like it's going to be a huge bet or anything. I just think trying to pick a winner in that division might be the toughest one in baseball. No, and I I agree with you there, too. And that's why I like the 600 with the Nationals, because I do feel like that could be a team that could sneak in. I was a big Marlins backer last year. There was no doubt about that. Getting 25 to one on them to win the division, obviously a, a massive long shot. But they did make some nice moves for their lineup, too, as well. They have some really good young pitchers in that rotation as well. But the issue is they're in a stacked division. So that's where it really becomes tough. That's why they're 25 to one. They're a good team. They're going to be competitive. There's no doubt about that. But when you're trying to overstep the Nationals and the Mets and the Braves, that's where it kind of becomes nearly impossible. I think they're going to be a good team. I would consider taking the over on their win total as something if you want to play. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with throwing something on 25 to one odds, but I'd probably mark that as an L. When you're when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, um, I have I have no thoughts on the NL Central. If you want to touch on anything, I think that if you were to bet it, I don't know why you would take the Cardinals at plus one hundred five, no. right around even money. I think you have to go with the plus three hundred to plus four twenty five range of the Brewers, Reds, Cubs, um, and obviously the Pirates. You can throw them out. Uh, I don't, any anything else to add on on them? The Cardinals are so unbelievably overhyped that this is such a like a sucker play that I that I look at at plus one oh five. Like they get Nolan Arenado, like obviously big move, but Nolan Arenado's numbers on the road have always been vastly different from his home numbers, which of course, as we all know, was at Coors Field. How right. is he gonna perform out of Coors Field for you know essentially the entire season? Like that's where the biggest thing comes for me. Obviously, the power is not gonna be as good. He's moving into a division that has a lot of pitcher-friendly ballparks, unlike where it was when he was in Colorado. So that's the biggest difference for me. There is nothing wrong with adding somebody like Nolan Arenado to your lineup. But to say that that's going to put them over the top, that is not going to happen because the Cardinals have been one of the worst offenses in all of baseball for the past two years. One man is not going to change all of that because you're almost getting essentially the same lineup back that you did last year with the exception of someone like Colton Wong. Nolan Arenado is going to give them a few more wins. I don't think it's enough to lead them to a division title. Yeah, I don't. I mean, maybe it does lead them to a division title. I'm just saying they're not a good bet at plus 105. No. They'll be in. They'll be in the mix. Uh, but yeah, Arenado to me is one of those classic guys that comes over to the Cardinals, and you just see their numbers drop by right. by a lot, dramatically um, too. Yeah, and then last division NL West. Uh, just going over the NL. Any do the Padres challenge the Dodgers or or not? Um, I think the Padres. I respect what the Padres are doing. I still think the Dodgers have too much, um, but I'm not betting them at minus 250. I would, and we said this the last time we talked baseball on this podcast, 
I don't mind betting the Dodgers is the World Series favorite. I have the Dodgers already at plus 400 to win yeah. the World Series. That's come down. Um, so I don't know if it's good enough value anymore, but I didn't mind taking the plus 400 Dodgers World Series at all. I think they're that stacked and worse comes to worse. You'll have a hedging opportunity uh, in October there. So the, the nice thing about this is if you do feel like the Padres are the superior team, you're getting a pretty decent number at plus 200 because you're obviously the Dodgers are so heavily favored in this division. I look at what the Dodgers did in the offseason. They didn't do a lot, but the biggest splash was one of the biggest moves of the offseason with Trevor Bauer. And he's coming off a phenomenal year last year in the, in the shortened season. But if you kind of peel it back a little bit and you look at the schedule that Trevor Bauer had last year, he should have had the year that he had. Look at the teams he faced last year. It was an absolute disaster. It's all of these teams, so many teams under 500 last year. Brewers, Tigers, Cubs, Pirates, Braves, White Sox. Like, give me a cupcake and a cherry on top. That kind of does the kind of schedule he had last year. Like, he should be dominating all of those teams, with the exception of maybe the Braves and the White Sox. But he faced the majority of the teams that were under 500, the Brewers, Tigers, Cubs were not a good team. Pirates weren't a good team. There would be a big issue if he wasn't going out there and dominating those teams. He's got a much stiffer competition in the NL West coming into the, this season. Like that, that division as a whole isn't necessarily tough, but he's going to be facing the Padres. You know, the Giants aren't exactly pushovers. Like they have no chance in the division, but they're not a terrible team this year. The Rockies are a joke, but has to pitch in Coors Field. Diamondbacks. Not a great team, but these are teams that are going to at least compete. So for to say that Trevor Bauer put the Dodgers over the top, yes, the talent is there. I love watching Trevor Bauer pitch. He has some great swing and miss potential. But this is going to be a much tougher schedule than he faced in 2020. And that's where I kind of a little iffy on that because you can see what the Padres did. Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, Joe Musgrove, like three legit starters added to the mix after they had a 61, I, I won about 61% of their games last year. Then you add all three of those guys into the mix. That's going to be a lot to combat. And we haven't even talked about the offense. So at plus 200, that's another play I like too as well. Um, yeah, I don't like it. I'm not, and I said, I'm not betting the Dodgers, but I'm not betting the Padres either because I do think it's going to be the Dodgers. And I, like you said, Bauer's going to have some regression, but that's to be expected just given the schedule. It just reminds me of like the Yankees overpaying for a guy at the deadline and he comes in and he's worse. Like I'm talking classic AL East days when like the Red Sox were actually good at baseball. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, he just gave up four runs at Fenway. It's like, yeah, that's going to happen, but he's an upgrade over whatever number three pitcher right. you had going before. So like you got to think of what Bauer is, the guys he's behind. David Price opted out last year. David Price is coming back. Like they're getting, right. the Dodgers are adding two arguably Cy Young caliber pitchers this year as well. And they're, you know, the bats are there. Like, I just think it's just too much that the Dodgers have. And I'm not willing to, to go against that. Um, real quick, before we touch on some win totals, does we don't have to go over every division, but does any AL division odds uh, stand out to you? Because not much jumps to me. I think the Yankees, should get it done in an extended season, more opportunities this year. They didn't get it done last year in the AL East. Yeah. Um, but the Rays and Blue Jays at plus 350 are, are decent value. I just don't know if they have the longevity to get it. 
White Sox now minus 130 favorites. Are we selling the Twins short at plus 150? One thing I will say, I don't think the Astros at plus 125 should be favored. I would much rather take a stab on Oakland at plus 145. I know you have a real long shot in that division, which got to respect the price, but I don't see it happening. Here's the thing about the AL West is I think it's absolutely wide open. I think it's so totally wide open and the odds don't reflect that at all because Houston and the athletics are nearly even Houston at 125, the athletics at one at 145. You know, the Astros are going to have some pitching issues. The Astros don't have the firepower that they did the year before they lost George Springer. I mean, that's a huge miss and a huge loss at the top of that lineup because not only not only is George Springer an on-base guy, but he's an on-base guy with power. You know, you can't just replace that with somebody in-house. Like if no. they put if they put Jose Altuve in that spot, fine, he's an on-base guy, but we've seen the power to take a hit after all the scandal. You know, is he going to be able to replicate that? You can't just replace someone like George Springer. The athletics are one losing streak away from selling off that team. They've always been a cheap team to begin with, but they are so close to a rebuild mode that it could happen this season. The Angels always seem like a lost cause. So I look at the Mariners at 26 to 1. Like, what a huge price. And, And nobody's on the Mariners, and why should you? But that's a team who has been in a rebuild mode, and I feel like they're a year or two away from being competitive. So let's just say they jump the curve and this is the year that they're competitive. If when they start become, to become competitive, let's just say it's this year, you're not going to get a number like that for a while. So if you throw 30, 40 bucks, 50 bucks on that, whatever, like just a massive in a division that I don't think is going to be overly competitive. I don't think the AL West is going to be like this firepower division that we're used to. And we've seen in years past. So I'm not, you know, drumming here and saying you gotta, be, you know, have to bet the Mariners they're gonna steal it this year, but there is no reason to not at least give them a hard look with all the young kids that are coming up, all the young pitchers that they have coming up, and it just needs a couple of months for them to start clicking, and then all of a sudden they're making a play. So at 26 to one, absolutely putting some money on that one. All right, fair. Um, you know, maybe DK Sportsbook gives you a cash out option later in the year. If they're sitting at like 500 or something, you can just make some money there if you don't believe they're actually yep. going to win the division because they yep. probably aren't. That's why they're plus 2,600. Um, but maybe you can find a way to grind some profit there. Maybe you just take the win total uh, on them. But uh, I don't know. I I would rather probably sprinkle on the, the big division odds and, and see what you can piece together later in the season. Um, speaking of win totals, let's hit on those quickly. Yeah. I'm going to give you a couple of unders. I think we talked about them previously in the pod, but baseball's here now. So we're, we're kind of hitting the refresh button. Um, I'll give you a couple unders that I like. You can react to them and then give me whatever you like in the win total department. We just talked about them. The Houston Astros, uh, Springer being out of that offense, I think is you touched on it going to be massive. That offense is going to take a hit. The pieces aren't the same as they as they used to be, and they won't be the same without Springer getting on base, you know, for the top of that lineup, or just leading things off like a home with a home run, like he does so often, and and you know right. getting some runs on the board. So I don't think the pitching is 
they're like how how healthy is Verlander going to be? Um, Cole obviously left for the Yankees last year and their first year without him. He they went under 500 in that 60 game season. Uh, I don't know why the Astros are going to be that much better than 500. They're 87 and a half. Give me 80 under 87 and a half on the Astros. I don't know why this team's going to be that good. And then the other one. Uh, the Cleveland Indians have sold off some some yeah. major pieces. They're at 81 and a half. They got to go over 500 to to cash the over. I don't see that happening. They're in a weaker division, which is the only upside that I can potentially give them. Uh, but they should lose a majority of their games to the white uh, to the White Sox and Twins. Right. Um they can, I don't know, beat up to a degree on the on the Tigers and and Royals, but it's not like they're absolute doormats. Uh, I, I don't see Cleveland getting above five hundred. So those two unders are the 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 plays that I'm going with in the win total market this year for baseball. Well, talking about the Astros too, they've actually gone up one game since they opened. They opened originally at eighty six and a half. The over is minus one twenty four. The under is even money. Now it's up to eighty seven and a half. The over is one hundred six. The under is one eighteen. I do like the under. I do like the under for the Astros for a lot of the reasons that you said, and like I and like I alluded to earlier. The loss of George Springer is just absolutely massive. I don't think that you can sit there and discount that enough because, as I said, it's one thing if he can just get on base, and that's one that's one part of the game. But he gets on base, and he's a legit 30-home run power guy. That is such a hard guy to replicate, to lead off, to set the table. They are supposedly going to get Jordan Alvarez back. Obviously, issue uh, injuries have been a huge issue for him. That's another guy, 30-plus home runs. That you're just inserting into that lineup but health has been an issue for him. If he can stay healthy, that's an amazing in-house option that you're just getting right back in the top, in the middle of that lineup. But I I can't stress enough how much I think George Springer is going to be a loss for them. And that pitching staff is really not all that impressive. Maybe they can get something from Lance McCullers who had, you know, Tommy John working his way back, but there's just a lot in that Houston uh, team. Just too many holes, I think. And I think that the under is, is the play in this one. This is what I'm saying. Like Cole's Cole's gone, um, and Verlander's hurt, and McCullers is coming back from stuff. Like they don't have. I, I mean, Granky's there, right? Granky's still there. That's yep. Fine. But, but this but is like, what I mean. Like this division feels wide open. It absolutely feels wide open because it always for years it's been Astros or the Athletics. They're ne- neither team to me screams a division winner as it stands right now yeah um all right any i assume you're under on cleveland i think you don't like them yeah it's a tough one but that's such a weak division other side from the two teams that you mentioned with the white Sox and the twins so it's like you know who's going to be the superior third team you know could it be the indians potentially but like you said they obviously they sold off a lot of pieces that team is like a shell of itself they still have a powerful lineup like they legit have the three, four, and five guys all have 30 plus home run power, but it gets really dicey on top of that and below that. So it's, you know, can those three guys kind of carry the team offensively? They got some nice pieces in the rotation that haven't really hit their ceiling yet, it feels like. So they might be like a year or so away from that aspect. So it's one of those, it's either going to be the Royals or the Indians in the third spot for me. You know, the Tigers are just still no ways away from being competitive, but. The Royals, I think, actually might be able to overtake that third spot in the division this year. 
All right. Before we go to player futures, season leaders, awards, that type of stuff, any anything in the win total market you want to bring up? Uh, just real quick, I, I wanted to look at one team that I think is a no one's going to really look at. I don't mind taking the Orioles over 64 and a half at minus 112. I mean, at that number, you're basically asking them to win 40% of their games this season. Their pitching staff is actually quite good. If you look at what they did last year, they allowed an average of four runs per game, which is actually just around league average. For, for reference, the Dodgers were the best in the league, allowing an average of three runs per game. And then the Rockies were atop with the most at 5.4. So they were kind of hovering around league average already. And then they got some really good prospects in the pipeline too. If it looks like they're kind of going nowhere, which you're not going to go anywhere in this division, start to bring some of those guys up. So, again, to win 40% of their games, minus 112, I don't hate taking the over in that one. I think the AL East is going to be very competitive, obviously, with the Yankees, the Rays, and the Blue Jays. But the Orioles could sneak in there, too, and hit the over on 64 and a half. All right. Fair enough. Player totals. Uh, You can bet over-unders on home runs for quite a bit of the top names in baseball. Um, Some at plus money, which I know stands out to you. Um, I have no real thoughts on this market. Uh, let me know. I like sometimes I do season long player props in NFL, mostly on unders because injuries in football are huge. And these are just set up for, for, you know, you got to have a healthy season to hit the over and you have to play well. Baseball is a little different, but players are taking more days off now. In- injuries are taking longer to come back from. Um, what do you have in this market? Because I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm also admittedly not familiar in it, like betting over under home runs, but it also isn't something that jumps out to me if I want to kind of back uh, a player. Yeah, so there's five guys on the DraftKings Sportsbook right now that you can get plus money to take the over on their home run total. Obviously, we didn't see a full season of games last year, so we're just kind of looking at the projections on what they were on pace for. And there's a few guys that you can get plus money on for the over that absolutely would have annihilated this total that they're set out for this year. Jose Abreu is one of them. He was on pace for 52 home runs for 162-game season. His over-under is 32 and a half at even money for this season. So here's, hold on. I want to cut you off real quick. um, So he's on pace for 52 or whatever last year. How many games did he actually play? He played every game last year. I think he missed all of, I think uh, off the top of my head, he might've missed one. Okay. Okay. So my two things, and you can keep going with the answer, but my two things to touch on here are like, how many off days are they going to give him in a, in a longer season? And what's yep. his injury history? Does he have a chance of getting, he has a better chance of getting hurt when you triple the season or whatever we're doing. Right. So uh, I just checked. So Abreu did play all 60 games last year. Okay. This is somebody who does not get injured. The, the least amount of games he's played since he's been in the league in 2014 is 128. This guy is on the field consistently. And then you look at his numbers. He has hit over 30 home runs in all but two, uh, all but three seasons. One of them, of course, was last year because of the shortened season. Aside from that, 22 and 25. Those other seasons, 36, 30, 33, 
33. So he is always in the realm. But the power last year was one of the best that he's seen. Like I said, 19 home runs in 60 games. So he almost eclipsed at least 20 home runs in every season that he's played. Like he is always a huge threat to go over those totals. So to get even money at 32 and a half, that is one of my favorite uh, player futures that you can take right now because I feel like that is just such a silly number. If that power continues like it did last year, I mean, he was basically almost at that total, not even at the halfway point if this was a regular season. Like he was right there already. So that just to me, over 32 and a half just feels like an absolutely silly number. Another one that I kind of like too is taking the over on Francisco Lindor. Now, the power was just non-existent last year and it was kind of crazy because if he was you know he was basically going to be under 20 home runs on pace if he played the whole season now they're asking for 31 and a half for this one this is a little bit of a you know it seems like a massive number seeing where he was last year but again we're asking for even money for a guy who has otherwise other than last season normally been in this range to begin with so i feel like you're getting a bit of a discount here a little bit because you're getting that even money, but you look at the seasons, you know, prior to this 32, 38, 33, the past three seasons. And again, a guy that's been relatively healthy because in those three seasons, he's played no less than 143 games. So he is not somebody that gets injured really much either. That's another one at plus money that you can grab as well. All right. Uh, I've put zero research into this market. I'm just sitting here to ask you questions, but as I scroll through this tab, couple of questions and as usual i'll be negative and i'm looking at some unders just like that's the fine so you like to punish yourself yes um you just said jordan alvarez is hurt or dealing with injuries or has been he's coming into the season healthy which is unusual for him okay so if he's sitting at 33 and a half yeah i would potentially consider looking under there that's a big number for a guy that has you know is in a prove it season a lineup that's potentially declining. Um, and like you just said, has the injury woes. And then Nolan Arenado, 32 and a half. Do we say that you're stepping outside of cores? This is going to be a much different season for you. Let's play under 32 and a half on Nolan Arenado. So here's the scary thing about Alvarez. You look at his numbers, even going back to the minors the dude just smashes home runs. Like that feels like it's his power is just so insane. Like he played 56 games in triple a before he was called up 23 home runs in 56 games. I mean, basically averaging one every two games. Then he comes to the majors in 2019 played 87 games, 27 home runs in, in 87 games. Like he just absolutely annihilates the baseball. So that's where it's scary because if he's able to do it that fast, even if he doesn't play the full season, if he, even if he misses 30 plus games, like the rate that he's been hitting home runs, he could still hit that over. And that's the scary part about taking the under for that one. Nolan Arenado, I'm with you. I am 100% with you on taking the under. I think Nolan Arenado is, is a good candidate for unders almost across the board. And this is nothing against his talent. Right. If you just go and look at his career numbers on the road, it's not like a slight difference. It's a major difference for Nolan Arenado on the road. So I could be completely wrong. 
And that's okay because we can just call him, we can just call him like away from cores numbers because yeah. that's what he is now. Yeah. So that's what, that's where I lie here because those numbers are always based off his numbers playing in course fields. And that's not going to be a factor that much uh, in the upcoming season. All right. Last thing we're going to touch on is the AL rookie of the year market. Yeah. Uh, it is, you know, Randy Rosarena, big name. Uh, how is he going to perform after kind of being, you know, a postseason hero for the Tampa Bay Rays? Yep. Jared Kalinick, a big name for your Seattle Mariners uh, coming over in that Robinson Cano trade. He's got a lot of hype as one of the bigger prospects this year. Rosarena plus 350, Kalenic plus 650, the top two guys in the market, the only two guys you can get for below plus a thousand, maybe having two guys that low skews the market for some of these long shots a little bit. What do you got? There? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look at a Rosarena and, and the hype just from the playoffs is, is, is scary because at plus 350, you know, what value are you really getting here? You're not, you're not getting much of him there. And the public, cause I have these numbers pulled, the public is on the right person in my mind. And that's Andrew Vaughn. Who's at 15 to one. Currently on the DraftKings Sportsbook, he has 51% of the handle for Rookie of the Year, 32% of the bets. So it's not just the bets. He's also getting the big money as well. So 15 to 1 for Andrew Vaughn is the play that I'm making here. And this is why. The White Sox have already said that they're not worried about toying with the, with the service time. Teams do this. Most famously done with Chris Bryant. The Cubs didn't want to bring him up. They wanted to screw with the, the service time because basically if he's not up by a particular date, the, key, the team is able to retain him for an extra year of that arbitration. So they get him on the cheap for an extra year despite almost getting X player for the entire year. The White Sox seem like they're not going to do that with Andrew Vaughn. So you look at some of the people that are on here. A lot of these guys, with the exception of a Rosarena, are not going to start the year or not have a significant role on their team. Andrew Vaughn looks like he's going to be one of those guys. So at 15 to one, that is probably one of my favorite overall plays on the board right now, because Andrew Vaughn, one of the top picks in the draft a couple years ago went number three overall. I think it was with the white Sox. has unbelievable power. You want to see how much power this guy has? Look at some of his spring training highlights from this year. The guy, his launch angle, everything is just absolutely insane. 15 to 1 on the board. That is a play you need to get on. All right. I think you talked me into that one. That's something that I do want a little bit of um, a spot that I like. Before we move on to March Madness, uh, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, NBA trade deadline day. And as we record, we have some breaking news that won't be breaking to you by the time you watch or listen to this. But I know <laughs> that we're going to be asked to do a video on this later anyway. So I might as well talk about it now so that we can just use that audio. And Beautiful. <laughs> we know the drill by now. Uh, the Orlando Magic said it's going to take a lot. They Well, everybody's on the trading block for the Orlando Magic. We've been rebuilding since they traded Dwight Howard. Um, it, they said it's going to take a lot to pry away Nikola Vucevic. Five minutes later, Nikola Vucevic is going to be a Chicago Bull. Um, Vucevic, along with Al Farouk Amino, to Chicago. The Magic, in return, get a couple of, uh, of oh, huge former deal. lottery picks. Wendell Carter Jr., a young center to replace Vooch. Otto Porter Jr., uh, you know, a number three overall pick that just 
can't stay on the floor, never put it all together. Um, and then two first round picks will go back to, to Orlando as well. So a decent haul for Orlando. I'm somewhat surprised in the landing spot, the bulls being buyers, uh, but they can work their, you know, the bottom of the East has been weak for years. They can work their way into the bottom of the, the Eastern conference. Um, so I'm on, on the fly, I'm trying to collect some thoughts here from both fantasy and, and, you know, basketball standpoints. I like this for the fantasy value of Vucevic. The one thing is he's been the, you know, Orlando's had a lot of guys out. So he's been the do it all guy for the magic recently putting up monster numbers he now gets paired with a, a legit scorer an all-star in Zach Levine. That's just going to take away some, some shots right there. But at the same time, the two are going to presumably work well together. That's a good pick and roll, pick and pop combination right there. Uh, Levine and Vooch. So uh, the trade's a win for the bulls. They, they are making some moves with some of their young pieces to get a, uh, you know, to get some, some win now pieces. And, I think that it's good for Chicago. I think it'll maybe take a hit to Levine and Vucevic's fantasy values. Uh, But I like the deal overall for the Bulls. For the Magic, this just opens up things for what presumably is uh, not a finished product. Uh, Who knows what else Orlando is going to look to do, and I'm keeping an eye right now. Um, The Magic are, are a continuous you know, just rotating door of, of pieces. You would think Wendell Carter Jr. is going to get every chance he can to just kind of step in and, and be the guy given, given Vucevic being gone. Um, I think it helps his fantasy value the most. And then we'll have to see how Otto Porter Jr. is, is used. Like as of this recording, Aaron Gordon's still there. Um, Evan Fournier is still there. There are pieces still there that Otto Porter Jr. is gonna gonna be competing with. If Aaron Gordon is gone, that role almost just drops to Otto Porter Jr. and uh, you're you're gonna see a lot more uh, production there. And the Bulls giving away the picks, you know, that could be something for Orlando because the Bulls aren't necessarily good. They still have to they still have to work their way up in the East. We got to see what two first round picks this winds up being. Um, if there are protections, what years there are, but getting picks from the bulls is not a bad idea versus getting picks from whoever good teams in the East, good teams in the West. The bulls are going to give you decent, at least mid first round picks, potentially lottery picks uh, at some point in time. So Orlando gets some upside, I think here with those players and picks, the bulls get after it a little bit and try and make some noise in the East. Um, A good deal for both sides, probably a better deal for the bulls and you know, something that will, will definitely affect fantasy value on both sides. All right. So let's switch over to NCAA. Obviously, like you said, you guys have been crushing it on the pod while I was off doing things like WWE. That's great. <laughs> I'm glad you guys could, we all could be happy and do some of that stuff. Let's go over the remaining games this upcoming weekend. Obviously Saturday 240 is when everything begins Looking at some of the where the money is going for this uh, first one here, um, Julian, Oregon State getting a lot of love from the betting markets in this one, despite being six and a half point underdogs, 235 on the money line. 
looking at some of the handles coming in for this one. 66% of the handle on the spread, 64% on the money line. Is that the right play or are you fading the public in this one? So Loyola Chicago is really good. That's been made obvious to us by uh, them knocking off Illinois, who was, I think, had the second most bets to win the title behind Gonzaga on, on DK Sportsbook. So that was a very impressive win. Loyola Chicago was extremely underseeded in this tournament. I still thought Illinois was good enough to win the game, beat anybody in their way until they got to a Baylor or a Gonzaga. I was wrong. That said, the Oregon State Beavers, who lost consecutive games earlier in the season to like Wyoming, uh, Portland, and somebody else, they stunk, are on an absolute tear right now. Um, they're now 12-1 and against the spread in their last 13 games. They won both games as underdogs against Tennessee, who I was all over. Hopefully you were on that one. And Oregon, uh, Oklahoma State in the tournament. Took spread on both, took money line on both, and here we are, Beavers in the Sweet 16. This team is is red hot, won the Pac-12 tournament to get in. This is Oregon State or nothing for me. I'm hoping to get maybe seven points. I think it might have opened seven. I want to get Oregon State plus seven. I don't think this is a scenario where I'm going to splash on the money line because I think Loyola Chicago is that good. Uh, but yeah, I'm, this is going to be Oregon State with the points for me. They're too confident. They're playing too well right now. Um, I, I don't think Loyola Chicago is going to be able to blow them out. Probably one of the more anticipated games on Saturday, Villanova against Baylor. Baylor is seven-point favorites, and this one getting a ton of the handle on that, 74% of the handle on that spread, uh, 67% on the money line at minus 295. This is one of the closer-seeded matchups of this of, of this day, at least. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Villanova uh, just lost too much. Two key injuries. Um, we knew that coming into the tournament. They surprised some people by beating Winthrop. I thought backing Winthrop was was silly. Uh, and then they got North Texas in the next round. So they kind of got an easy schedule to get into the Sweet 16. Now they face a monster in Baylor. The spread has moved from 6.5 to 7.5. The Baylor money's flying in. I agree with it. I wouldn't touch it at 7.5. It's starting to become too many. If it goes back, Go ahead, get all over Baylor. Baylor is a, as safe of a money line parlay piece uh, as you could imagine. Um, they're not losing this game. They're going to the Elite Eight. I, they're just too good. Um, I think they're going to wind up winning their region if you want to back that and go into the Final Four. I think that, yeah, we'll get to some games where you can use other money lines, but I think Baylor is where you start any money line parlay that you're making this weekend on College Hoops. I'm going to guess this is not one of the games you want to use the money line on, but I could be wrong. Oral Roberts, obviously one of the hottest stories of the NCAA tournament. Still alive in this one, but massive underdogs in this one at 11 and a half. But to that end, they do have 67% of the handle and 75% of the bets going up against Arkansas. 58% of the handle is on them, Oral Roberts, for the money line, though, and 58% of the bets. So people still hoping that they can ride this wave that Oral Roberts has been on. But, you know, Arkansas, obviously, number three seed in this one. What are your thoughts on this one? So I'm not going to money line parlay this with Baylor because it only comes out to minus 190 as we record. That's not good enough. Arkansas should win this game. Like, this is the classic 
you know, you get a Cinderella that gets through the first weekend and then they come out against a legit team the next weekend and reality kind of sets in and Arkansas should run away with it. I don't know what I'm going to do here with the points. Like this is a game in my mind that either Oral Roberts really comes back to life. and the, But the thing is back to life for them. They're a good team. They're a good 15 seed. We've been saying this all along. Like they can compete. They play fast. They have two legit players in uh, O'Banner and Abe Smith's. This is one that Arkansas is either going to win by 20 or Oral Roberts is going to be right in it again, and you're going to want those points. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to bet this game. I need more time on it. Uh, 11.5 is a lot of points for a Sweet 16 game. But, again, reality could set in, and Arkansas could really run away with this one, especially with the, with the total set at 159. Both these teams play fast. The more possessions you give, the more time, the more shots that gives the better team to pull away and make this one ugly. Uh, this is going to go one of two ways. This is going to be an exciting game that comes down to the last possession for Oral Roberts or a 20-point Arkansas win in my mind. I did want to bring up that total real quick because it is the biggest total on the board at 159. Uh, the bets are not even close. 70% is on the under for this one, but the money is the bigger story here because this is almost even 60-40 with the uh, money on the under for the most part right there. Do you have any feeling on that one? You just mentioned these are two fast-paced teams, so makes sense that this is the highest over-under, but obviously the market is a bit split, at least when it comes to the handle. Yeah, I mean... Oral Roberts hasn't really been backing down from anybody. Ohio State, Florida, they just play their pace and trust their guys. So, and you know Arkansas is going to play fast. So, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to be playing it because it's too many points. But I think this is going to be right in that neighborhood. I don't. I, I don't think either team's going to back down. I think they're both going to play fast. Last one on Saturday, Syracuse and Houston. Pretty big money on both sides for Syracuse, both on the spread and the money line. 79% of the money on plus six, 71% on the plus 205 money line. This is probably one of the uh, the bigger discrepancies we've seen so far for these Saturday games. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so uh, this is outside of using Baylor and some money line parlays. This is the only game that I've I've bet the number on. I got Syracuse plus six and a half. It has moved to six. Uh, Syracuse, anytime they don't deserve to be in the tournament, they get in. Then they're in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four. Uh, light clockwork happens every time. And here they are again. And Houston's a good team. They should win the game. Um but I'm looking at the spot for them. First of all, the Syracuse zone seems to work every time in March. It just does. Houston hasn't seen anything like it. It's going to slow them down. Houston's uh, go-to scorer is a little dinged up. We'll see what he looks like on Saturday night. Um, and then Buddy Beheim is as hot as anyone in the tournament right now. He makes all his shots. Uh, he's, he's scoring the ball really well. I think Houston's going to have some issues with him. So I, I like the Syracuse side, but then looking at Houston, the last four times that Houston has been favored by 10 points or less, they have failed to cover. When they're a double-digit favorite, they have run away with games. They were a 20-point favorite in the first round. They killed Cleveland, uh, Cleveland State. They were a nine-point favorite that closed a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Rutgers in the second round. They almost lost and won that game by two or three, whatever it was. Did, one didn't cover. Uh, the last two times they've played Memphis – you know, the most competitive team for them in their, in their conference, the American, they were seven point favorites and nine and a half point favorites. Both games came down to the last possession. Uh, one possession wins for Houston. One didn't cover. 
in February, they were a nine and a half point favorite against Wichita State. They lost that game outright. That was one of their losses this season. So this is generally a, a spot that uh, Houston isn't quite able to cover the number when they see a team that can that can compete with them a little bit uh, based on expectations. So I think Syracuse is going to keep this one close. Maybe they get it done. Maybe they don't. But definitely give me the six points. Moving on to the four games on Sunday, starting off with what has been what is the biggest favorite of all of these games, Gonzaga and Creighton. Gonzaga, 13 and a half point favorites on the spread for this one. The money has been following too as well. 74% of the handles, 73% of the bets. Probably not a money line you want to take, but 44% on Gonzaga for the money line there. 56% of the money is on plus 700 for Creighton. Obviously, some big, big number there that you can hit if they can, if they're able to pull the upset. But at least how the money is being distributed, uh, that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. Yeah, minus 1,115 on that money line <laughs> for Gonzaga against the top 25 team from the Big East in Creighton. Uh, Gonzaga is going to win this game. I don't have that much of an opinion on the number. It could be 20. It could be 10. Uh, I, it's tough to know, especially with Gonzaga not playing that much competition recently, playing a Big East team. I, I don't know exactly how it's going to look. So that's this game to me just screams, you know, you, you start watching it live and see if Creighton comes out hot. Maybe you get something on the Zags live first half, full game, whatever. Um, maybe it's something you look to the live total, live team total. I don't know. But this is the only way I'm betting this game is uh, is on the live line. And Gonzaga is going to advance. Gonzaga's path to the championship game, in my opinion, not even the final four, but all the way to the championship uh, should be pretty easy for him. One of the closest games on the board here, Florida State and Michigan. Michigan favored by two and a half in this one, drawing 69% of the money, 63% of the bets, 57% on the money line, which is currently at minus 143, with 56% of the bets. Obviously, a little more um, hesitation, I guess, from the public on the money line side, but they are liking that minus two and a half point spread. Yeah, this one, I mean, Florida State was, I think it opened three, moved to three and a half, and now we're sitting at two and a half. Uh, Florida State's a team I can't figure it out. I, I backed Colorado against them in the second round, way off there. But Florida State, just because they got a big win, it doesn't mean they're going to continue that momentum. They've had some big down spots this year. People are down on Michigan because Livers is out with the broken foot one of their go-to scorers, but they have found ways to grind it out without him in this tournament, an impressive win over LSU. I think this is kind of a similar game. It's going to be neck and neck the whole way, but I do think Michigan pulls away. I'm kind of leaning towards going with Michigan state laying the two and a half points here, uh, but not something I've bet yet. I, I, but I have a feeling that Michigan's going to, even without livers, find a way to, to get this game. Yeah, just uh, just double check there. It did open at minus three. Was actually at minus two just a few hours ago before we started recording this, and I then back that. down to the two and a half. So might be something to keep an eye on as the day progresses. You uh, UCLA in Alabama. This one a little bit more of a bigger gap here. Alabama six and a po- six and a half point favorites, and this one drawing sixty eight percent of the money. Minus two eighty six on the money line, drawing fifty eight percent of the money on this one. What are we thinking here? Is Bama going to keep it rolling? Yeah, so the Pac-12, we've 
just we talked we started with Oregon State. The Pac-12 is nine and one straight up and against the spread in the tournament. UCLA has three of those wins, two of them as underdogs because they played in that first four round, uh, beating Michigan State. So Pac-12 has been great. I think this is where it ends for UCLA. This one has grown from five and a half to six and a half, I believe. Alabama's looked terrific. I don't know how UCLA is going to keep up with Alabama offensively. I don't think I can bring myself to lay the six and a half. I do think Alabama covers, but this is a spot you can look with Baylor. You link those money lines up. You're looking at like minus 129. You might even get a better, you were getting better prices before, before that Baylor line jumped so much before both lines jumped so much really. Uh, but yeah, I think you can either play Bama here and, and uh, at, at the inflated six and a half, I do think they cover. Uh, but I really like a Baylor Alabama money line parlay. Um, I know you just can't bring yourself to bet something that is a two day sweat. Who would ever do that? <laughs> but I, as somebody that is patient, that enjoys making money, will gladly do so. Uh, last game, Oregon USC. This actually has some uh, pretty significant line movement, even when we started recording. Yeah. Uh, just about when we started, it was that minus two and a half. It's actually gotten to minus one and a half since we started recording. So, and this is the biggest movement that it's had because this did open at minus two and a half. So some big movement on this one. As we had started to record, uh, 70% of the money was on USC. Also 136 on the money line, drawing 52% of the money on this one. Any thoughts on that big movement over the past uh, basically hour and a half? Yeah, this is a tough game. It's a really tough game. Uh, two Pac-12 teams that we did not expect to see uh, meeting in the, in the Sweet 16. Oregon is getting right at the right time. They have their guys back. They're playing really well right now. They play well historically in March. Uh, big win over a convincing win over Iowa in the last round. USC absolutely dominates Kansas in the last round. USC dominated Oregon in their one regular season meeting. They have a lot of size, but Oregon wasn't itself at that time. They didn't have all their guys. Uh, they weren't clicking like they're clicking now. I can talk myself into either side of this one. It's the last game of the weekend. Uh, it's going to come down to like, <laughs> it's going to come down to probably all seven games being done and me picking a side on this one. I don't know. I can, Oregon is playing really well. I can talk myself into them, but I can talk myself into USC dominating the first matchup with good reason because of the size they have uh, on the inside. They have both great tournament coaches uh, in, in general. So you're not going to find much of an edge there. This is by far the, the toughest game of, of the weekend, I would say, and we finish up with it. So this is one I guess stay stay tuned for updates because I need to do a lot more a lot more digging on on this game. And you can get those updates, of course, by following Julian on Twitter at Julian Edlow at S Buchanan twenty four on Twitter for myself. There'll be plenty of MLB bets thoughts and analysis on my page as well. So be sure to follow both of us there. The unreasonable odds podcast finally reunites after about three week layoff here. We're going to be continuing all throughout the month of April and throughout the year. When we record next week, where will we be at in the tournament? Because if I pull up the calendar here, we'd be next recording on April 1st, uh, which is also opening day for baseball, but are we getting the final eight by that time? Okay. So, uh, the Sweet 16 is on Saturday and Sunday. The Elite Eight, uh, this is the weirdest schedule change of the tournament. The Elite Eight is going to be on Monday the 29th and Tuesday the 30th of March. Okay. So I will have a podcast, An Unreasonable Odds Without You, on Monday with a guest. <laughs> 
recapping the Sweet 16 that we just talked about and previewing and giving plays for the four Elite Eight games that will happen on Monday and Tuesday night. Then we will be back on Thursday uh, and you and I will do some baseball and I hopefully will have a college basketball guest that we can preview the Final Four with. Otherwise, you can just sit here and look pretty and ask me questions and I'll give you my Final Four blitz. Very pretty. All right, so we are glad to be back together, I guess, maybe, kind of, it's all right. Unreasonable odds, back to normal. Appreciate everyone tuning into this episode. We'll catch you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.